Welcome to the Ship to Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, February 7th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, it's certainly been an interesting week in the gold market. It continued its run up on Monday that started last week according to the mainstream, primarily due to safe haven demand because of the coronavirus. But then on Tuesday, gold took a big hit. Still, it managed to hold above the 1550 level. It got down to around 1554, but it really looks like the yellow metal has consolidated above that 1550 mark. Wednesday was really interesting watching because gold rebounded and had a good day, even though the U.S. stock market had big gains. This morning, gold is just below the 1570 mark as I record the podcast. Now, it's interesting that both stocks and gold went up, and that gold managed a pretty solid bounce as the week went on, despite a lot of headwinds. The Dow hit another record this week and is on track for a 4% gain, so that would seem to indicate that investors have gotten over the coronavirus fears, but that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense given that we still have coronavirus. Stocks also got a big boost when the Chinese announced that they would half some of the tariffs on U.S. products. Now, shouldn't all of this dampen gold? You know, when you boil it all down, I believe all of this is about central bank monetary policy. Analysts said U.S. stocks are being lifted by a big rally in the Chinese stock market. And you know what turned the Chinese market around? A massive injection of liquidity by the Chinese central bank to the tune of over $170 billion. The People's Bank of China also announced it will lower lending rates to boost the economy in the midst of the virus scare. In fact, one report I read said that the total liquidity that's going to ultimately be injected by the Chinese central bank is going to be over $1 trillion. So basically, the Chinese are pumping up their own stock market bubble, and it's helping to pump more air into the U.S. stock market bubble. I think investors are starting to figure this out. At least some of them are. And that's why gold is still going up despite all of the headwinds. I mean, that's really the best explanation for gold and stocks both rallying. It's all about the monetary policy. There was an article on the Mises Wire this week that was talking about American quantitative easing. It made the case that this is nothing more than debt monetization. Did you know that over the last four months, the U.S. government has spent $457 billion more than it's taken in. And over that same amount of time, the Fed has created about $457 billion and injected it into the U.S. financial system. Peter Schiff made a really good point in a tweet. I think it was last week. He said, the argument over whether the current Fed balance sheet expansion constitutes QE is pointless. QE was always just a euphemism for debt monetization. The Fed monetized debt in the past. It's monetizing more debt in the present. And it will monetize even more debt in the future. And when you look at the massive federal deficits and what the Fed is doing, it's almost undeniable that Peter's right. The central bank is monetizing the debt. I've talked about this before, but a little history bears some repeating. Remember in the wake of the 2008 crash when the Fed launched QE? This was a big deal, and it made a lot of people really nervous because it was considered really extreme. So, Ben Bernanke went to Congress and he promised it was just temporary. He assured Congress that the Fed was not monetizing debt. He said the difference between debt monetization and the Fed's policy was that the central bank was not providing a permanent source of financing. He said the treasuries would only remain on the Fed's balance sheet temporarily. He assured Congress that once the crisis was over, the Fed would sell the bonds it bought during the emergency. Of course, that never happened. 
I mean, it tried. In 2018, the Fed started to shrink its balance sheet, and there were interest rate hikes. It looked like maybe we were on the path back to quote-unquote normal. And then the stock market tanked in the fall of 2018, and Powell and company quickly aborted the hiking cycle and cut rates three times last year. In 2018, we were told balance sheet reduction was on autopilot, and then it wasn't. In fact, the Fed started expanding its balance sheet again last fall. So Bernanke was full of crap. All the QE was debt monetization, and debt monetization is back in play today. Of course, Jerome Powell is you know, making it out like this isn't QE and this isn't monet. It's the same thing. It's Ben Bernanke all over again. So what, you might be asking? Well, debt monetization is by its very nature inflationary, and at some point, that inflation is going to rear its ugly head. I mean, it already is if you look in the right place, <clears throat> the stock market. But at some point, I'm certain that the planets will align, the chickens will come home to roost, and we're going to have a dollar crisis because of all of this extreme monetary stuff that's going on. So when you boil it all down, it certainly does look like that debt monetization has become a permanent fixture of the U.S. economic system. In that Mises article, Daniel Ammerman summed it up. He said, quote, The Federal Reserve is doing what no responsible central bank is supposed to do and effectively funding the growth in debt at well below free market interest rates via monetary creation on a massive scale without admitting that it's doing so. This is all about funding the fast-growing national debt at lower rates than what rational investors would accept in a free market, and the repo crisis was a symptom of that problem, not the cause. In a nutshell, the federal government is running up a massive debt, and the central bank is enabling it through debt monetization. This is a recipe for disaster. I mean, the stock market loves all of the easy money, and now it's got Chinese easy money to boot, but these bubbles always pop. It's a boom, and then it's not. What really disturbs me is that nobody in the U.S. government seems the least bit concerned about trillion-dollar deficits. I mentioned before that the last time we had trillion-dollar deficits was when Obama was in office and we were dealing with the aftermath of 08. Like I said in last week's podcast, the extreme has become the normal. We have crisis-era government deficits, basically fiscal stimulus on steroids. We have crisis-era monetary policy. Somebody should probably step back and ask, what in the hell is going on? The economy is supposed to be booming, but the policy looks like we're in an economic crisis. It makes no sense. But hey, the stock market is setting records and the economy is growing, so nothing to see here, I guess. The president certainly doesn't seem inclined to address this issue. He delivered his State of the Union address this week. Do you realize the president never once mentioned cutting spending or eliminating any government program or department? He said nothing about shrinking the size of government or dealing with the massive national debt. In fact, he talked about more spending. Trump supporters keep telling me it's not his fault. Blame Pelosi. Blame Congress. But if this was really any kind of priority, you'd think Trump would at least talk about it. We hear nothing. The truth is, virtually nobody in the government cares about the spending or the debt. They've decided it doesn't matter. It's not politically feasible to deal with it. So, I mean, I don't even feel like they're kicking the can down the road anymore. They've just left the can in the gutter and moved on. But I think that while the mainstream hasn't figured this all out yet, some investors recognize what's going on and they're buying gold. Gold holdings in gold-backed ETFs set another record in January. Funds added another 61 tons of gold. 
As Peter pointed out in a recent interview on an RT Boom Bust, if you look at the economic fundamentals, stocks should be coming down. He said the only thing really supporting it is the Federal Reserve and all the money they're printing and the Stealth QE program, although it's not stealth really, everybody knows they're doing it. They just refuse to call it what it is. But there's no earnings behind this. There's no strong economy behind this. This is an inflation-driven bubble, but the air should be coming out. MarketWatch published an article this week that pretty much confirmed what Peter said. If you look at the charts, since the Fed launched quantitative easing last fall, the stock market has marched up in lockstep with the Fed's balance sheet. It's really hard to avoid the conclusion that there is a direct correlation between the Fed injecting liquidity into the financial system and the precipitous rise in stock prices. As the MarketWatch article puts it, the conclusion is unmistakable that the money the Fed is printing is going into stocks, especially in large cap stocks such as Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft. The article also did a little bit of analysis of the U.S. stock market's plunge late last week that was blamed on coronavirus. The Dow dropped more than 600 points last Friday. Analysts said it should have dropped even more, but the extra liquidity pumped into the system by the Chinese central bank helped prop up U.S. stock prices as well. While U.S. stocks did take a big hit last week, they did not drop below an important technical support zone. The article said, quote, In theory, the stock market should have fallen to the support zone on the news of the coronavirus. But the stock market is held up because of the general belief that central banks will print more money or engage in other ways to inject liquidity into the markets. So here's the question. How long can central banks keep stocks moving up? How long can they keep pumping air into the bubble? This is not an infinite thing. It can't go on forever. You know, at some point, the mainstream is going to catch on to all of this, and that's when you're going to see gold go through the roof. The question is, how long can the Fed Keep the party going. Honestly, I have no idea what the answer to that question is. The central banks have certainly kept things going a lot longer than I ever imagined that they could. Something else caught my attention this week. The silver-gold ratio has quietly grown again over the last several months. We're back at over 88 to 1. As I've said before, this is silver on sale. I wrote a little analysis on this uh, that I'll link on the show notes page. Just a little food for thought that I wanted to share. I want to end the show on just a little bit of a personal note. I just got back last night from New York City and a visit to the Shiftgold office. Now, interestingly, this is the first time I've actually ever been to the office. I've worked for these guys for over two years remotely, but have never sat face-to-face with them, never met them in person. Now, you know if you listen to this show regularly, at the end, I almost always say, call a Shiftgold precious metal specialist. And I emphasize the fact that you know these guys can help you understand how precious metals can fit into your portfolio and, and uh, you know, they're very knowledgeable, et cetera, et cetera. Well, after having sat and watched these guys work and talked to them face-to-face, I have to emphasize this even more. Talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. These guys are fantastic. They know their stuff. They know the gold and silver market inside and out. But not just that. They also understand broader the broader investment market, finance, uh, and just a great bunch of guys. It was really a pleasure to get to actually sit in the office and work with them and talk to them and learn a little bit more about the process of the business. So do it today. Call one 888 Gold 160. Talk to the Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You'll be glad you did. I was glad to meet him. So, hey. And with that, 
It's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of the stories that I've talked about and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. And soon, Google Play, Stitcher, we're going to expand our reach. As always, you'll find links on the show notes page. Appreciate you listening to the show, and I will talk to you next week.